Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. Today on the Ether, Shade Staking coming to Mainnet on June 27th. Let's take a listen. So, looking to get some more uh, info out there um, surrounding staking and airdrop. We'll be talking a little bit about the staking interface um, and what to expect there. Kind of highlight the importance of this moment being, uh, you know, the launch of staking the airdrop its impact on the meta engine and what levers are really in quotes available to pull so to speak with the meta engine um got a few other announcements we're going to be talking about uh, expansion of collateral with shade lend expansion of other shade tool sets such as um, shade link and then talking about some new partner pools that are going to be launching later today so it's gonna be a good uh good conversation um, since we're since we're already a few minutes late with uh, twitter spaces starting later than we would have liked. Uh, let's go ahead and kick this off. Thank you everyone for joining us today. I know we're going to have a few more people rolling in since we have a new link, but um, you know, while these people are rolling in, I want to go ahead and thank everyone for joining today. Um, just go ahead and touch on all the different uh, pieces of content we're going to speak about today. And then also give a chance for Carter to introduce himself if anyone um, isn't familiar with Carter uh, and Shade Protocol. Um, so Carter, you want to give yourself a quick introduction for anyone new here? Sure. I'm Carter. I'm the lead researcher at Shade Protocol, uh, a, firm, a firm believer in private DeFi, that the way you know, public DeFi is on Ethereum and in Cosmos and in other places, fundamentally in hindsight will, will be seen as massively problematic. There's, there's advantages to total transparency, but at the end of the day, um, privacy is a protection, whether you're a retail DeFi user or institutional user. And that's kind of the dream we've been building the last, you know, two, three years. And that's why we're, we're here today. Wonderful. Yeah. So today the, the brunt of this conversation is going to be surrounding, uh, shade staking, airdrop and the meta engine, but we're also going to touch on a few other announcements that are going to be either happening today or later this week. Um, so to kind of kick this off, I just want to re-announce that uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, Shade Staking and the final 70% of the airdrop is going to be launching on June 27th. So we're just under two weeks away from being able to actually stake your shade, participate in revenue generation, revenue distribution, then also unlock that remaining 70% of the airdrop. Uh, I know for some people it might not seem like that big of a deal, especially if you were you know, you only got a few shade, you might not have been staking as much secret Adam or Luna at the time of the snapshot. Um, so, you know, the the enticement of coming back for, um, you know, a few shade, 10 shade, whatever your amount may be, might seem low, but this airdrop and staking 
that the unlocking of that shade coincides with a whole bunch of other moving pieces that are finally falling in place and working together to create this, uh, you know, the introductory framework for this sustainable DeFi ecosystem that we're creating. So if anyone is interested in actually playing around with the current staking interface, um, wants to see what it would look like, um, just keep in mind that uh, APYs are not representative of what's going to be uh, reality uh, on mainnet. But if anyone wants to go test out the staking interface, we've got currently a public testnet version of Shade Staking Live. If you want to visit that, check out testnet.shadeprotocol.io. There's a password that's required to actually enter that testnet site and that um, that password is Spartan117. Then all you'll need to do is connect your Kepler wallet and you'll be able to uh, view the staking, unstaking interface. And you'll also notice below that there is a section uh, for shade staking derivatives. Now that's not gonna be coming out with the launch of airdrop and staking, but just a teaser and a reminder that we've got other expansions on top of this staking coming out right behind uh, staking the airdrop. So a lot to look forward to with that. Um, so outside of just these general announcements, you know, we've been talking about the importance of this moment, the, the launch of staking, the launch of the airdrop, um, talking about the importance of that and its impact on the meta engine and the shade token in particular. And so Carter, for anyone who is not aware of what the shade meta engine is, maybe they haven't seen the uh, meta engine blog post that we put out on blog.shadeprotocol.io. Would you mind running through um, just a high-level overview of um, what the Shade Meta Engine is and what its impact is on the uh, protocol ecosystem? Sure. So I think 2022 and 2023 DeFi has kind of proven to us that in a bear market, um, hyperinflationary projects tend to suffer and. At the end of the day, DeFi needs to be striving towards real yield. Uh, real yield back to the stakeholders that are um, aligned with the future, the future of the protocol. Um, uh, and actually, you know, build on top of real yield as opposed to just kind of fake inflationary yield. And the meta engine is built a kind of on this concept of what if we had this, you know, continually growing DeFi ecosystem where every single product launched, 100% of the value goes back to the Shade DAO um, and Shade stakers, as opposed to like some new token representing this new DeFi, like every new DeFi primitive that gets, gets added on. And what if we repurpose these fees in a way that continues to improve the liquidity of the existing products to the point where over time and over the course of five to 10 years, um, Shade Protocol and its governance and its stakers will be governing, you know, tens of millions of dollars in liquidity and assets that it, that it owns on its own platform. Um, and you can start to drive down emissions to zero as the protocol and its stakeholders are you know creating the product that's 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 great to use in terms of um, the decentralized exchange and the lending and the stablecoin, and so Shade Protocol right now 
the meta engine hasn't really existed because stakers haven't been a part of the, the equation, nor has kind of the, the fees been capable of being repurposed to be given back to stakers or to be repurposed back to purchasing uh, liquidity to improve the experience for the platform in a sustainable and uh, long-term way. So with staking, we, we kicked that off. And we're still in a very precarious situation, right? Bear market's brutal, prices are brutal, market cap's brutal. It's really difficult to bootstrap a user base in a, in a sustainable fashion in a bear market. That's, it's definitely a challenge. So staking is part of kind of moving shade away from this vulnerable position where it's counting on a majority of liquidity providers and holders to essentially believe in the future utility of shade as opposed to, you know, once staking's live, there's, there's a genuine liquid, there's a genuine utility for shade in the form of real yield that comes from all these different products and fees. And then eventually what's also, well, it's already been under development, but we'll be bringing to the finish line is governance as well for shade protocol. Um, truly converting the protocol into something that's uh, decentralized and controlled by the community uh, in a way that goes beyond just the, the core contributors that are you know, distributed throughout the world. So I'm very excited about the opportunity. I know that we've been getting a lot of feedback on protocol and liquidity versus stakers. Um, Christian is actually working on a potentially updated meta engine model that would potentially see more of shade swaps fees going back to the DAO, essentially like increased fees tied to that, uh, as well as the staking, staking derivative having a more aggressive fee as it's been of a very casual and passive fee for quite a long time. Um, and working on kind of ratcheting up some of those value capture mechanisms, as well as increasing the amount I think right now 20% of all fees are going back to stakers with the current meta engine model. This would potentially uh, get increased to 100%, somewhere between 50 to 100%. Um, so you can expect to see that forum post coming out in the next week or so. I, I think I personally have been convinced as time goes on that there needs to be more of a focus on the stakers and maybe less on the protocol on liquidity, which is... I, th I think the hardest part about POL is that it's it there there is a component of speculation, right? Like if DAO is buying some Bitcoin, some Atom, and combining that with Shade and LP pool, it's 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 technically taking a speculative position because it's counting on those things to succeed in the future. Um, so I think I think there's a, there's there's room for protocol and liquidity. But I feel, I feel like we're reaching the point where like we really need governance in order to truly like determine that decision because of that speculative component. So before governance goes live, it, it almost behooves us to return maybe like 100% of the value back to stakers. And then once governance is live, then collectively as a community, we can decide if we want to take more of a speculative stance on the fees that are accrued from the DAO. And I, and I, and I, my opinion is very different than the next person's opinion, different than the next person's opinion. And that's ultimately why we have rough consensus um, because it shouldn't just be a couple individuals that think about this all day. 
you being able to like unilaterally make decisions, that's obviously been a part of the story to date is that distributed core contributors across the world are trying to push this in the right direction. But when you, when you reach a decision that has a variety of parties with a variety of different directions, that is ultimately why governance is an important part of the meta engine. And some people say like, oh, governance is a meme. Governance isn't valuable. It's like, no, like governance is deciding decisions on how capital is being allocated in the name of future growth of the protocol that we all have a part in. So don't tell me governance is a meme. Like it's when, when there's real fees and real products, governance is valuable. Carter, you are speaking my language uh, this morning. I don't know if it's that, uh, just for uh, full context, I've created my own, uh, let's just call it a meta engine calculator um, to play with all the different levers that can be pulled, whether it be uh, swap fee parameters, borrow interest fees, liquidation fees, arbitrage activity, expansion of silk utility, uh, you know, minting and unbonding fees for staking derivative. I built this calculator. Um, and I'm happy to share some of the simulations I've run or, through um, just because or, people, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's super in line with what you're saying about Christian is working on, which I guess makes me feel good that I'm kind of on that same wavelength thinking about, you know, what we have to um, really play with at our disposal, not only the protocol, but um, you know, stakers in general. And so I, I've got one question, but I also am really interested to share some of these simulations uh, that I've ran just to give people an idea of what current and like very conservatively forecasted activity would materialize in, in the form of APRs for stakers, especially I'll have to uh, multiply some of these numbers just uh, to take into account potential 100% distribution of uh, revenue to stakers. But before I get into that, Carter, one quick question. You had mentioned that the goal for the meta engine and the redirection and, um, I guess, um, utilization of these fee streams to help bootstrap, um, you know, real yield emissions, uh, liquidity. So when you say the the goal is to reduce emissions, are you envisioning a reduction of inflationary rewards in line with the amount of real yield that's being generated or do you envision, you know, with, with some of these early, like, let's just say the first three to six months, are we, you know, are, are we expecting these, this real yield to be distributed on top of the inflationary rewards that were laid out in the original tokenomics post? Um, obviously, like you said, governance is going to play a really important part in this, but I'm just curious, like, what, do you have any thoughts on, like, should we already be reducing some of that? Sorry. Once we start seeing the implementation of that real yield going back to shade stakers, should we also expect a reduction in inflationary rewards? Or for that first, let's say three to six months, are we should we maybe expect that real yield on top of this introductory inflationary rewards that were originally outlined in the tokenomics? Yeah, it's a good question. I'll I'll start with like the the concept of lowering emissions. Um, I, I view it like this. If we can build up enough of a data set on ShadeSwap where a liquidity provider can see that there's enough volume and traffic on swap fee APYs to you know sit in a pool and earn from that, it, it's kind of, it's like it's like a slider. Like 
as volume and activity increases, then you should be able to pull back on emissions because the swap fee APY is what's essentially feeding the liquidity provider instead of the, ex instead of the external incentive. Um, the really hard part about that mo model is you need a lot of volume and you need more capital efficiency. Um, this is why a liquidity order book is currently under development right now, which we're just going to be keep leaking alpha here. Um, constant product pools are archaic. Uh, they have they have advantages. They're 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 beautiful in their own right, but you have to head towards concentrated liquidity and an informed and technically savvy liquidity provider community. Uh, I think that's just kind of you. You still need a retail to have the ability to easily participate, but at the end of the day. The way to drive down emissions is more efficient liquidity provider models and actual platform usage in a way where people can organically exist on it without a, like without an inflationary external yield. And let, let's let's make one thing clear: that's insanely difficult to do. Period. Like especially in a bear market. In a bull market, when volume is 10x, these types of ideas become a lot easier because there is more activity. Right now, pulling off that transition is very difficult to do. And so it's like you have to call a spade a spade. There's going to be subsidy for these liquidity providers because we do care about providing a baseline experience, even in the bottom of the barrel, right? Like that's just, that's, that's a truth that people might be afraid to say, but I think that is the truth of the situation. But as time goes on, as we introduce the liquidity order book, would operating alongside asymmetric concentrated liquidity, um, I think we'll be able to start to back off of emissions. Um, some interesting like user reports, broad, broad stats about the site, for instance. We had 18,200 uh, new unique visitors in uh, like essentially from late May to late June. So this is like actual legitimate usage of a platform which is amazing like eighteen thousand people what super good growth um on that front very very pleased to hear that so how do we convert those people into shade holders how do we how do we convert people using the platform because they enjoy the utility into people that appreciate why they should hold shade and i think i think staking is a huge part of that it's just in 2023 to have a project where you can't tap into the success of the platform is a huge disconnect. Um, so I, I think staking will be very, very helpful in converting a lot of those platform users into excited you know, holders of the token, um, partners in the long-term vision. And as, at the end of the day, you win via usage. You, you cannot tokenomics kind of your way. Uh, if, you, if you have zero users on the platform, it doesn't matter how good your tokenomics are. So the onus is on us to continue to grow the user base and then have a sharp strategy for backing off of emissions. Acknowledge when we've gotten too far or too little. Um, I would argue right now we're probably over emitting. I think this next cycle of rewards, I think 21 days out from now, we'll see some potential reductions if post-taking and post-airdrop, we don't see in uptick in platform usage and or like shade price appreciation components, I think there's a strong argument to be made to back off of emissions in a significant 
and decisive way. So that's that's kind of the, the, the big data point we're waiting for is post taking, post airdrop, where do we stand on usage? Where do we stand with shade? Um, and we'll, I think, have to make a decisive decision there. And just to kind of comment on what you were talking about with, uh, you know, being able to really look at usage for some of these critical pairs, where can we, um, you know, where can we reduce emissions without necessarily impacting the ability for these liquidity providers to earn? And I think they're already, you know, considering we are in a bear market, there are already some really good shade swap pairs that exemplify this ability to provide this optimal LP experience without having to really focus on um, over emitting to be able to maintain that positive LP experience. Um, some ones that are just off the top of my head, uh, you know, I am biased because I am L personally, I am LPing in these pools, but like the Adam ST Adam pool is constantly um, putting up, you know, 15, 20% uh, TVL being swapped in single days. And that generally, that, that generally um, means about anywhere from, let's say four to 6% uh, fees in APY or uh, in APR. And that is, being distributed in the form of actual LP tokens. So those swap fees are being accrued. When you materialize that by either withdrawing your uh, liquidity, um, re-LPing, those swap fees are being realized in Atom and ST Atom. Another great pool uh, to exemplify sort of the earning potential even right now in this bear market would be Silk ST Atom pool. For the longest time, it was our biggest pool on shade swap and also, for the longest time outside of that Adam ST Adam pool, that was the um, largest volume pool. And I've seen, uh, you know, swap fees, AP, APY. I've, I've got my own calculators for a lot of this stuff. But seeing swap fee APYs anywhere from 15 to 30% APY, depending on how much activity is going on, it obviously... And with and, and, and even And also, like... Besides the APY too is the impermanence loss. Like during the altcoin rundown of thirty percent in a day, and like I'm I'm willing to I think I think I can call a spade a spade here. Like if you're on a fourteen day fourteen day lock in on osmosis on say like Evmos Osmo or something, like brutal. You're because both both sides of the liquidity providing experience are depreciating at the same time. So your impermanence loss is through the roof in a bear market um, versus if you're, say, uh, ST Adam to Silk, yes, Adam saw a very large drawdown, but half of your liquidity is in the form of a stable coin. So you're kind of hedged, hedged against that drawdown. And ironically enough, you're also growing how much ST Adam you own as Adam depreciates against, you know, stable coin. So if, if you're like, if you're an Adam bull, like, Silk ST Atom is like a brilliant pool to be in because you either you're either gonna have more ST Atom when everything is said and done, um, and 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 you're and you're properly hedged risk wise. So I think um, I think even Osmosis recently admitted like it was I think I saw someone on Twitter say it's like it's somewhat of a mistake to have Osmo be tied to literally everything. It's and we we preach this you know this right we've been preaching this for like half a year at this point where. They're having to pay liquidity providers to offset all the impermanence loss of forcing them to buy the Osmo token versus I think the single-sided exposure is it, it's much safer. It's much more stable. It's, it's more precise on asset exposure 
I think in a bull market, the Osmo model is better. I think I think that's there's there's distinct advantages in a bull to having exposure to both sides volatility. I think that's where it shines. But in a bear, we're we're seeing the flip side, right? Like we're we're seeing like how bad things can get. So and and ultimately, like this is why there's never going to be one dex to rule them all or one stablecoin to rule them all. At the end of the day, Web three needs to provide a liquidity providing experience to match a variety of a variety of needs. Um, but as a whole, concentrated liquidity and a very intelligent liquidity provider community is 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 probably going to be where the space heads towards. And just to, I know this isn't applicable now, but you've done a really good job at elaborating this in the past. The goal for ShadeSwap is to eventually allow you know permissionless onboarding of new pools and incentives. And with the current structure of how most of the pools are set up, most pairs are most pairs on ShadeSwap uh, have a silk component. Um, outside of uh, derivative, like specifically derivative swap pools, most assets on ShadeSwap are paired to Silk. There are a few key Shade pairs as well. But with the launch of uh, some additional native uh, secret network tokens, we're going to be seeing the expansion of assets paired to Stake Secret, um, which also kind of is going to be one of those first examples of um, these new tokens being able to pair to tokens outside of Shade and Silk. And the benefit of that, let's say, uh, you know, other assets want to pair to stake secret. You were giving the example that during a bull market, you know, these volatile, volatile asset uh, pairs generally will appreciate more relative to a stablecoin volatile asset pair. We would have where we have that functionality to be able to provide, um, you know, new assets, the ability to launch and pair with stake secret if they want uh, that exposure to secret. If they want that more conservative exposure to stablecoin, they can pair with silk. If we're talking about some really powerful tier one assets, you know, we can consider the uh, potential to pair that to shade as well. Obviously, we want to be a lot more protective with the assets that we want to pair with shade versus silk. Um, silk, we're looking to proliferate um, with as many pairs as we uh, can. You know, that the more silk pairs that launch, the more silk that is presumably being. Uh, put into circulation, the more borrow interest fees, liquidation fees the DAO is collecting, which ultimately gets distributed to stakers. Um, so, you know, the optionality that ShadeSwap is providing with this liquidity experience and where we're going to be moving in the future towards this permissionless onboarding of pools uh, and incentives. And then you've also done a really good job. Um, if anyone hasn't checked out Carter's latest forum posts surrounding, uh, you know, permissionless onboarding and being a bit more uh, equitable and data-driven when it comes to the incentives we're um, wanting to provide to particular pairs. Um, you know, all this is, you know, the pieces of the puzzle are all there. And so as we kind of move towards staking, airdrop, we start really, really honing down into this uh, data-driven um, path forward. I think Shade Protocol is going to be set up um, fairly exceptionally to be able to maneuver in this, um, you know, in that environment. Yeah, and I can't emphasize enough, like, the framework that's coming for emissions is essentially on a category, category by category basis, people are competing for emissions in certain categories, right? Like, you want to incentivize CMST 
IST, USK. You want to incentivize all these different stablecoin projects to bring as much volume, as many users, and as many external incentives to the platform um, as possible because they, they want to have a shot at winning more of the shady missions that are allocated to that category, right? And the reason I'm so excited about this model is to date, the frameworks only recognize volume as the metric that DEXs care about. Like how many, how many fees are you bringing to the DEX? That's all we care about. How much, how much are you bringing to us? But I think there's a mistake there. And the, the mistake is that those external projects are bringing an external incentive, right? They're, they're putting that external incentive to, to gather liquidity providers onto the platform. And, and that's a significant cost to these external projects. It represents a lot of risk. If I'm going to put my incentives on your decks versus someone else, I want to make sure that my incentives are, are, are somewhat recognized. And so the scoring system, it essentially has the stablecoin projects, let's say USK, IST, CMST, competing over not only how much volume they bring, but also how many external incentives they bring. We, ShadeSwap will recognize both components as, as something that's significant. Um, one of them is more focused on the liquidity provider, right? The external incentives that are brought. And then one of them is more focused on Shade Protocol and the fees that are accrued back to the DAO. But to only recognize fees and volume as something significant in the equation of how the protocol is allocating incentives, I think is somewhat short-sighted because it misses out that the protocols have a lot to bring. They're, the protocols coming to ShadeSwap are just as much of a customer as the liquidity provider and just as much of a customer as the trader and just as important as Shade Protocol. These, these business models are incredibly complicated. Right? You know, like even you know, the Ubers of the world, right? you have platform, you have driver, and you have rider. Think about how nuanced that three-way relationship is between. And then in many ways, DEXs have four participants that all have to symbiotically dance together. And I think the DEXs that see the most success recognize the importance of all four parties within that equation. And our job is to create a free market competition over stablecoin emissions, over staking derivative emissions, over volatile and volatile emissions, um, over volatile to silk emissions. And if we do it right, I, I think it's gonna be the best emissions free market competitive model that I've seen. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. So before we before we kick off with some of the announcements um, that we're going to be uh, highlighting, particularly around expansion of collateral, new pools launching this week, I do want to share the you know some simulations that I've been working on just to give people an idea of the impact of um, both current activity and conservative uh, short term activity. And so this falls in line with if anyone uh, is just joining in, Carter was talking about there's going to be a new forum post put up by SBeam. Um, talking about some of the different levers that we can uh, be pulling as far as, you know, how can we, how can we positively impact our revenue uh, generation through the existing applications we have? And as we're looking to expand these applications, you know, what can we, what can we do? What is in our control to be able to improve the revenue generation without adversely affecting uh, the users of these applications? And so, I'll try and keep it simple. Um, there are some assumptions that are made with this model. 
um, taking into account some of the, you know, again, these are assumed changes, uh, but let's just assume that these changes actually happen so you can, um, you know, follow along with the simulation. Um, simulation for real yield distributed to stakers uh, assumes swap fee parameters for derivative swaps at 0.1%, which would be about uh, two times higher uh, than it currently is. Um, we'll see stable swap parameters uh, move to 0.05%, protocol take increases to about uh, 10%, and then we see the implementation of borrow and interest fees for existing vaults. And um, again, all of these are just this is just a simulation. This is not necessarily saying these are the exact numbers that are going to happen, but it's it's interesting for a mental experiment. Um, and then using what uh, Carter was mentioning earlier, let's assume that 100% of uh, revenue goes back to shade buyback and distribution to stakers. So how this would actually materialize for swap, let's, let's start with swap. Let's assume we're seeing approximately 600,000 in volume every day. Uh, on ShadeSwap, distributed approximately like 15% is going through stables, about a third of volume is going through derivatives, and then just over half of it is going through constant product market makers. This equates to approximately uh, 85,000 USD worth of revenue fees. And if we assume approximately a 40% um, staking rate, uh, with about 1.6 million shade in circulation, and in shade's current price, this would uh, this would end up producing a real yield just from swap. And I'm only emphasizing this because swap fees are actually a small, uh, like a pretty small component of the overall picture. Now, that's not to dismiss the impact, obviously, but swap fees are actually a small part of this uh, picture, but that would produce approximately about 3% APR uh, annualized in swap fees. And so again, this is just assuming 600K in volume as we continue to expand pairs, as, um, you know, as market conditions and sentiment improves, this number is naturally going to go up. So real yield contribution from a swap, assuming these parameters would be about 3%. So now if we look at, you know, our in quotes, uh, big moneymaker, um, looking at Shadeland. Um, Silk is our flagship product. We're incredibly uh, focused on expanding the security, um, the accessibility, and utility for Silk. Um, so for this simulation, we're going to assume there's approximately um, 5 million Silk currently in circulation. And there's been, let's say, approximately 10 million Silk minted overall. And I only mention that because borrow fees are assessed, um, you know, when you open your position, interest is accrued uh, on your position over time. So that 10 million silk minted overall, let's say 5 million of it was paid back. That's still important for this revenue uh, generation. Um, but if we assume, let's say, a 1% borrow fee uh, and a 2% interest fee, we're looking at approximately uh, $510,000 in real yield um, that is going to be distributed. And this is purely coming from uh, liquidations, borrow fees, to interest fees. And currently, introductory rates are at 0% for borrow fees and interest fees. Liquidation fees are still accruing for the Dow. Um, you know, that's a, that's a minor component of this. Annualized, 
what this would under the same staking uh, conditions, this would equate to approximately an 18% APR in real yield. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm going to stop here because uh, the only other one I did simulations for was staking derivatives. It's a, it's a smaller component. It's approximately 0.3% APR with uh, conservative estimates. Um, you know, if we look at the overall picture for that, uh, using some of these estimated uh, swap fee parameters and activity, we're looking at close to 21% APR in real yield. And, you know, this is a mental exercise. This is not to say this is going to happen, but I think, Carter, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, these are fairly conservative estimates, you know, and these are just some of the levers that we have to pull. So I'm just curious of uh, kind of what you're thinking about as I'm going through this. Uh, I I'd be curious how much comes from liquidations back to the Dow. I think that's like a very volatile metric. That 500K, that sounds, I think that sounds a little high. My gut says it's probably closer to like 150 to 250 tops. So, but I would, I would have to check the model that, that, because let's say 2% of, you know, 100,000 is $2,000. So of a million would be 20,000. So of ten million would be like two hundred thousand dollars. So I'm I, I think that's the old my only my only question is I feel like that number is maybe slightly high, but even then even even let's say it's fifty percent inaccurate, um which is which is big right, even like a eight to ten percent real yield is like very very impressive, um and then all of that staking pressure also pulls a lot of supply out of circulation which supply and demand, if, if you assume supply decreases and you assume there's still like continued demand for ownership of shade and being part of the protocol, that should uh, help, help the price, which is purchasing power for the decks in terms of, and, and shade protocol overall as an incentive that it can give out to attract additional players to bring more users, right? And that creates a very virtuous um, life cycle, especially when, if, if you're not emitting towards staking, then that's really good, right? Now, now you're, you're not having like an inflated emission at stakers. So you're, you're, you're not like spending, you're not, you're not spending protocol emissions to lock people up in order to give them a yield that they'll sell, right? Like if it's real yield driven, there really isn't anything lost, right? It's just the protocol using its fees buy an asset, give it to stakers, and they have to choose if they want to stake it or sell it, right? So overall, I think that's, that's super optimistic. Um, what I will say about the interest fee is if you study SaaS models, I think it would best serve Silk not to have any interest fees or borrowing fees for as long as humanly possible, even though it's the highest potential moneymaker. And the reason I say that is because if Silk can get you know, to 20 million, 40 million, 100 million in a bull market or in the next cycle. Um, it's, it's the liquidity base for ShadeSwap. And so it's really what's stimulating this economy of trading and leverage on the decks. And you don't want to scare away your liquidity providers and your power users that are enjoying the 0% interest fees, 0% borrowing fees that are creating a really good liquidity provider experience on ShadeSwap using Silk. So I think a lot of the Cosmo stablecoins are charging interest fees and borrow fees out of the gates. And I would say it's Silk's greatest advantage is that we're actually giving away 
we're, we're trying to stimulate the adoption of Silk without adding in any additional fees or friction points. I think that's hugely powerful. I've talked with people and I know that's hugely powerful. I'm not saying it's a lever that won't be activated one day, but my gut says that we have to be like very careful with monetizing too quickly. The flagship product that represents the foundational liquidity that undergirds all of Shade DeFi. Um, still very, very exciting though. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited to hear those numbers and can't wait to play around with the, the model more. Yeah, I was about to say, I'll, I'll send you my uh, calculations once we get done with this. And to your point, I was looking at an uh, incorrect number. That annualized uh, amount with, uh, you know, with my assumptions would be right around 250K. So about half of kind of what you were saying. Um, you know, my thoughts with the, the borrow fee and interest, you make an incredible point about that being a killer value prop for Silk. As if Silk needed, you know, more value props to be able to convince people to uh, to use it, but having that zero percent borrow fee and interest is um, really incredible for that early adoption. You know, being able to, uh, for lack of a better phrase, being able to obtain users is incredibly hard relative to retention of users, and so being able to obtain these users with that introductory fee is incredibly valuable. Um, you know, my thoughts about the you know, the slow rollout of the borrow fee and interest fee are mainly coming from the fact that, you know, we're incentivizing, um, we're incentivizing silk pairs on ShadeSwap. So in a sense, we, you know, we are still, um, like we are, in a sense, we are kind of paying for that uh, adoption because one of the big things that people can do with silk is utilize it on ShadeSwap, LP it. Um, they can put in the earn pool. If you're putting it on shade swap, you're going to be earning swap fees, which are really nice. If you're LPing a stable coin, your swap fees are being accrued in part stable coins. Um, but the emissions are being uh, assessed in shade for the most part. Um, and so that's just kind of where my, my mind is going when we talk about like the implementation of borrow fees would reduce some of that, um, you know, that early on adoption potential, but it would help offset uh, some of the spending that the protocol is doing to help uh, provide some of that, um, you know, early utility, so to speak. And this is not to say that, um, and again, this is not meant to construe that having 0% bar fees and interest is a bad thing. I think with Silk being the number one stable coin or the largest decentralized stable coin in the cosmos, I mean, hell, I think it happened within a week and a half, two weeks. Um, not only are people seeing the, the value proposition of Silk, the currency basket, and the potential utility for it long term, but those introductory rates are incredibly uh, enticing. So we are obviously seeing some success there. Um, but it's, it's important to kind of think about all of these moving pieces as we move forward, and especially as we launch staking, because all of these you know, discussions and implementations of these things does have a material impact on uh, stakers and the DAO uh, in the long term. 100%. And I definitely, I definitely see the different routes for, it's, it's essentially a game of like expansion versus kind of like a, like a defensive position. And it, in terms of like shade tokens price and how much you monetize existing usage versus future usage. And it's a very interesting balance. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier that governance being on the horizon, like post, post staking, uh, post airdrop, you know, you have D, D shade on the way and governance. Like, I think 
that will that will help so much in these discussions because consensus is is what we need in this scenario. We need to be we literally need a consensus mechanism for all of shareholders to be able to come to a consensus on the path forward and the philosophical stance that we're taking with expansion versus versus kind of extraction back to the platform itself. So kind of in line with talking, you know, we were talking about shade land, all these different levers that we have to pull and, you know, the, the upcoming impact on shade stakers and the Dow. I think one of the biggest roadmap items outside of shade staking and the airdrop that is going to heavily impact um, shade stakers, the meta engine, the revenue generation for the protocol in general is the expansion of collateral vaults for Ethereum and other Ethereum assets. Um, Car, I, I'm curious, you know, what what do you think the magnitude of getting um, ETH collateral uh, on Shade Lend is? Obviously, we've talked a lot about the value proposition for um, private lending, being able to protect your liquidation points um, and be able to take whatever you borrow and do whatever you want with this while still having this. Um, you know, this private loan, um, you know, what are the first things that come to your mind whenever we talk about, you know, getting wrapped ETH, getting some of these ETH staking derivatives, expanding collateral uh, for Ethereum assets on Shadeland? Like, what are the thoughts that go through your mind? The thoughts that go through my mind is it's a great product and no one knows about it, right? That's, this is, fundamentally, this is no longer a product problem. It's a distribution problem, in my opinion. So this is why we're taking dozens and dozens of calls with people in Ethereum. We're actually doing, we have an outreach program in progress right now on the business team. And the goal is to talk to as many Ethereum whales, Ethereum users as possible and discover, you know, what are the friction points to get you to begin to use a product like this? Um, universally on all these calls, everyone loves the product. Um, most people have experienced that with a large amount of capital and whether you're retail too, this concept of copycat trading is actually a really big deal in the Ethereum community that I think Cosmos folks maybe aren't as aware of, where people are literally tweeting out, hey, like I'm tracking this person's address. They went from $20,000 to $1.3 million. You should copy their next trade, right? Like the alpha that a trader makes for themselves is essentially instantly doxed on chain on Ethereum. And so for these large traders, if they were given an alternative market where they can find a successful strategy and not worry about the rest of the world copying them, um, and this stands true for retail or institutional, right? Like they want data protections on their trading strategies. Done. Deal. That's Shade Protocol, right? So that, that handles the copycat trading. Um, but also Oracles. You can, I'm going to be releasing a tweet thread about this. On Ethereum, there's tools where you can look up every single person's liquidation price points. Like we know there's a whale with like 140 million in collateral on MakerDAO and we know exactly where their liquidation price point is on Ethereum, right? Like if, if I'm a large player on Ethereum, if I can avoid that, I would love have a lending position, be able to do my stable coin farming, do whatever I want to do in DeFi, but have the peace of mind of knowing the whole world doesn't know where my liquidation is, right? We offer that. We give that. That's Shade Lend. So... It's, I mean, the, the, hard, the hardest piece, yeah, like what are the friction points from getting an Ethereum user to be able to begin use shade, to, to use Shade Land and use Silk? Um, there's 
there's two pieces. There's user experience and there's liquidity. Um, we're solving for user experience, right? With the multi-wallets, I don't, I don't know how much have we, have we said. I think yeah, we've already, we've already. Yeah, we've we've talked yeah. about shade. Uh, shade the multi-wallet support is going to be huge. Um, Austin is working like an animal on this right now. I just looked at his code commits. He's done <laughs> forty thousand lines of code. In the last four weeks to get the website for, for multiple support. He, he is absolutely like he's it's filthy um so the race is on we want to be the first to support metamask in cosmos for a non-evm chain and i think we're going to be able to do it I, I can't give you the timeline for that but that's that's solving for user experience these 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 whales these ethereum users they hop on a call you demo the product they love it oh by the way you need to get this kepler wallet and eh, i don't want to do that Cosmos doesn't get it. Like we, Cosmos drastically overestimates first off how many people know about Cosmos and they drastically underestimate how much friction exists to onboard into the experience. We have forced the largest crypto community to install a new wallet to use anything in Cosmos. Like that's, that's insane. And I'll say this, MetaMask isn't perfect. All right. I actually don't like MetaMask. There's a, there's a myriad of reasons why I don't like MetaMask. At the end of the day, though, we need multi-wallet support. We need to support hundreds of wallets on the website seamlessly because we shouldn't dictate what the user has to use to use the website, right? So that's all for user experience. If we can make it so that an Ethereum user, it just feels like they're using an L2 when they use Shape Protocol. Every, most of them are used to bridging, right? I bridge Optimism, I bridge to Arbitrum. Oh, I'm just bridging the shape protocol. We need the experience to be that simple, that fluid, and that guaranteed. So that solves user experience. Liquidity is the second problem because if I'm going to come in with 20 million in collateral, mint out silk, how do I get this thing into USDC and back to Ethereum? That's that's what they care about. And this is where humility comes in. This is, a, this is a problem we're looking to solve. I don't have an immediate answer to this, except a slow organic buildup of users on the Ethereum Silk pool and with the ETH collateral. So if anyone in the audience has ideas on how to be able to scale up the liquidity there in a sustainable way, I'm all ears for that. We're solving the user experience problem and we're, we're racking our brains on solving the liquidity one. So yeah, that's the, that's the strategy. Love to hear it. Yeah, and you spoke incredibly well on the value proposition for Ethereum users, not even like Ethereum holders, just anyone that is native to uh, the Ethereum ecosystem, um, making that onboarding experience as seamless as possible. Um, you know, you, you said it about as well as anyone could. We want people to feel like they are using any other bridge um, you know, you almost don't even need to know you're in Cosmos. And, you know, one of those last pieces that kind of forces you to realize you're in Cosmos is this a requirement for basically a requirement for you to use Kepler. And so the integration of MetaMask and all of these other alternative wallets is going to be incredibly um, powerful in this onboarding process. Um, I do want to go ahead and open it up to the, uh, I, I have one more thing to talk about, but before we get into this, I want to open this up to the, um, the community here. If anyone has any questions or you want to partake in this discussion, whether it be surrounding the meta engine, uh, staking, airdrop, 
any of these announcements, feel free to go ahead and request and I'll bring you up. Um, but while we're, while we're giving people a chance to do that, we also have one more announcement to kind of discuss, and that is the launching of new partner incentive pools um, that is slated to, if I'm remembering correctly, this these should be going live like really soon after we get done with this Twitter space. Sure. Um, Can I explain those really quick? Yeah, absolutely. I would love for you so to. So essentially, we have rewards that get accrued if you're liquidity providing on certain partner pools. And the problem is, is we don't have pools tied to those partner tokens. And so users are being forced to bridge out of the platform um, to then go and use the reward tokens. And so what's happening today is a bunch of small, unincentivized, silk to reward partner token pools are going live. And so this gives traders the option, you know, not with a great liquidity experience, um, but the ability to kind of sell their reward token and interact with the rest of the decks without having to leave the platform. So these will be unincentivized pools. There will be some initial liquidity uh, seated on them uh, from some of the core core uh, folks. And hopefully this, this should improve the trader experience and the liquidity provider experience for people that value the convenience of not wanting to, to leave the decks. Yeah, there. I'm personally really excited about this one because you know we talk a lot about this interconnected uh, ecosystem of applications where people don't have to leave the site to do what they want to do, and I think this is one of those last things that we've kind of up until this point forced people to leave the site in order to go do like you're earning on Shade Protocols uh, applications, but. You have to leave the site to be able to actually realize any profits that you made. Um, and so this is going to be a, or, you know, do whatever it is that you want to do with these tokens. Um, so this is going to be a really nice improvement to the LP earning experience, being able to actually, sorry, my dog's sneezing in the background. Uh, uh, you're actually going to be able to, um, you know, realize these profits directly into Silk. Um, which is, I think for most liquidity providers, turning your rewards into stable coins is probably one of the um, best routes for you to do to make sure when you realize that profit, you're actually um, preserving the purchasing power of that profit. And so just the highlight pairs that we're actually going to be launching today, we're looking to be launching um, a Silk Kuji pair, a Silk Stride pair, Silk QCK, so Quick pair, Silk P-Stake pair, Silk Harbor pair, and then I believe we're also launching a uh, Silk Jackal pair as well. And so, on top of being able to provide a more, um, you know, cohesive LP experience for people earning uh, in any of our partner pools, this is also going to open up uh, further arbitrage activity between ShadeSwap and other Cosmos-based DEXs, and that will inevitably increase the volume on these um, on ShadeSwap, which is going to equate to more swap fees going back to the DAO and going back to stakers. And so these things, um, you know, while it might seem small, um, this is just, you know, another one of those steps towards uh, that long-term stability, increasing revenue generation and, you know, that flow back to Shade stakers. It's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be really interesting. And then, um, you know, on top of that, this is going to 
I guess in a sense, this also helps, you know, further align uh, protocol um, protocol actors, right? So Silk being Silk being this uh, in quotes money maker for the protocol, having these additional uh, these additional partner incentives paired to Silk. One, this is the most ideal pair for these assets. Um, you know, the alternative is effectively, let's say you wanted to go swap them on Osmosis. Um, the alternative is for you to pair these assets with Osmo and then swap into Osmo. And if you don't actually want to hold Osmo, you have to actually swap into another asset. And so I'm personally really excited about as small, again, as small as it may seem, I'm personally really excited about the improvement for the LP earning experience. Um, you know, giving people another reason to stay within the Shade Protocol ecosystem. I'd also say too, I'm I'm excited about. I like unincentivized pools. I I think they're great experiments, and you actually get a lot of data data from them. So um, excited excited to gather data there because make no mistake, we are gathering data on the decks. That's maybe like another thing that people aren't aware of. Like this is we want this to be as data driven as as possible. Um, one month of data is starting to accumulate into like informational dashboards and better aggregate statistics that we're also hoping to publish um, not only on the forums but eventually like dashboards directly on the website. Um, this is known as Analytics V2. It's an internal software development project between the API team and the front end team um, that will be coming into fruition in the coming months. So um, to summarize all the initiatives right now, there's mobile, there's analytics v2, there's multi-wallet support, uh, there's staking plus airdrop, there's the liquidity order book, uh, there's Lend v2, and then there's also kind of the Ethereum user acquisition uh, campaign. So whenever people say like, I don't know, like, are you guys executing? Are you guys doing anything? Like what's going on? It's like, there's, there's, there's so much in motion. And I told Austin, he needs to just, he just needs to post the the 40,000 lines of code in the last four weeks. I was like, take, take your lap, Austin. Like this is the, the output internally is I'm, I'm just so excited. I, I freaking love shipping and price is brutal. I'm with you guys. It's painful. There's lots of reasons to be worried. Um, it's just hard to be this close to all the productivity because there's also so much to celebrate. And I think with the, Meta Engine evolving to really, really prioritize stakers and head more towards the real yield model. We've we've listened to the community feedback, and I think that's going to be very, very powerful in the coming months. And lastly, I'll say we desperately need governance, and that's also under what's technically already developed. It just needs to be revisited from like nine months ago, and then have V1 uh, out there because we we desperately need a rough consensus mechanism when it comes to. Uh, strategic decision making as as a collective community, and some people would say you should start with governance. I, I think it's coming at the right time because there's actual there's actually meaningful decisions to be made as a collective community. Um, so I, I think it, it is governance is a tool that benefits all of us in in that we can direct the future of the protocol effectively, and there's actual important decisions to be made. So um, look forward to governance also coming as well. Man, you're dropping some serious alpha. We didn't even get to talk about mobile support or uh, Shade Lend V2. 
you know, obviously I'm biased. I am head over heels excited about both of those two um, upcoming improvements. But uh, we'll save that for another Twitter space. Um, you know, keep the alpha rolling later on down the week, next week. Uh, it looks like we have one person that requested. Carter, I'm going to bring him up here and then um, we'll look to wrap this up afterwards. H3, you are able to speak. Go ahead and unmute and ask your question. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so just want to say a shout out to the team. Well done. Um, I mean, what you've achieved over the last year and a half or so is just, it is insane. Um, not even considering me in the beer market. So well done on that. Um, but yeah, so, so cool. just an interesting point for me, right? I just want to know, um, are you guys like interested and looking at possibly integrating like into um, like Silk specifically into PayPal, into other um, existing neo banks and stuff? Um, so that, you know, um, there can be like a fiat on off-ramp type deal going on where, um, you know, existing banking or near bank customers might be utilizing Silk that will unlock, you know, like um, uh, specifically, let's call it web-free type of um, um, deals and stuff like that. So so are you like having that somewhere in the roadmap to, to possibly integrate into existing neo banks and uh, um, into like existing payment services? Um, so that Silk can be used um, to unlock sp specific type of deals or special things. Yes, so I actually have a great update on this one. Um, I think most people are aware that we're working on um, Silk on-ramp compatibility. Uh, the main barrier has been the platforms that want to integrate Silk need proof of stability for a longer period of time. Um, I don't blame them. After the UST collapse, there's a lot of different like crypto payment platforms that now have stronger due diligence. So time is on our side on that side, right? Silk needs to mature, probably needs to hit for, for some of them, it's some of them it's a year, some of them it's six months. And so we just have to let time play out and prove that Silk can indeed um, hold its peg or at a minimum stay, you know, above peg, right? It's is is important. Awesome. Now, awesome. Separate from that. We're also exploring the beginning stage of exploring a licensure in Hong Kong. So that's that's something that I can that's that's new alpha here. I that's all I can say about it is we're exploring um, licensure that would allow us to be better positioned to uh, integrate globally with with um, more traditional financial actors. So we we are in that exploratory phase. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome news. Yeah, because um, honestly, like, um, if I compare, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not going to be biased here, but but yeah, if you compare like um, what Silk offers versus the other stables out there, um, I honestly feel there's there's huge potential and huge opportunity. Um, but yeah, so well done so far. Um, it's really it's really insane um, what you've guys done, and I think uh, there's 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 huge potential for Silk becoming call it uh, the mechanism to transfer value across the world as well um, between fiats and stuff. If you look at traditional banks and yes. So yeah, well done. Yeah, appreciate the support, appreciate the questions. And I think the hardest part about it is like, Silk's alive, it's real and it's working, right? Like, which is, which is crazy. Uh, we're gonna be looking to add support on the analytics so that you can see how Silk performs not just against the dollar, but against everything in the basket. Cause I think, I think like it's, Silk makes more sense once you realize like, oh, Silk is outperforming gold right now, or it's outperforming um, 
Bitcoin or it's outperforming the euro or the yen. Like that's when it becomes really interesting. Right now it's purely, oh, silk versus the dollar. It's like, no, 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 no. Like the whole point of silk is it's, it's, it's competing against every type of kind of stable asset and it does it really, really well, actually. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Improved analytics will make the storytelling uh, a lot a lot easier and time ultimately is on our side. This is a 10, 20, 30, 40 year slog of getting Silk globally adopted and, and we're, we're here for it. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks for the, um, question, uh, for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. I would also say maybe, maybe we can drop a little alpha about uh, Silk being able to be used in the wild through some Ooh. of our upcoming partners. Ooh, let's hold. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say we hold off. Let's, let's, let's hold off on that one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, we can definitely do that. Just, uh, just know that some big things are in the works. Um, so H three, your, your comments are heard, and we're, we're working on it. Um, Carter, we've got one other person that requested. Um, I'm gonna bring them up here real quick. All right, SN50, you are on stage. Feel free to speak. Hi, guys. It's uh, so a small question, though, but you guys were talking of onboarding user and user experience and kind of made me think of, uh, was there any plan to add a um, a function uh, kind of like Stella, Swap, Stella has on, uh, on Moonbeam to convert, like if you don't have any gas tokens or secret token, uh, to... Actually, they they have a list of tokens you can use. Uh, so let's say you bridge whatever uh, uh, some USDT there, uh, yeah, some USDC, sorry, and then you don't have any 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 secret token. So it's always a problem of you know going for a find a faucet or somebody that will send you some, and that's kind of annoying, uh, especially if you if you're talking of user who have like who are newer to to secret. Is, is there a, a a way to implement that function on uh, directly on shade to either when you bridge to kind of takes part of that asset and convert it into some secret or to add like a pool like, like they have on Stella to just if after you've bridged that asset you can swap some of it to how many tokens you want yeah it's a, that's a great question so we actually oh boy do we have it for you yeah, yeah we actually so I mean, technically it's a V1, but Fee Grant actually already launched. And what this does is this allows, this allows a new user that has no secret in their wallet to be able to convert something like Osmo into secret, even if they don't have any secret in, the, in their wallet. So that's, that doesn't fully, fully, like to your point, like the user experience needs to be better than what it is. Like Fee Grant right now is just for like a new user bridging in where we detect they don't have secret and we're like, hey, we can save you from, if you bridge in your asset, you're not stranded here, right? Like we can make sure that we can choose some secret, but I, I like where your head's at. You're, you're saying that no matter what asset you have, you should be able to execute transactions on the app. I agree with you. Um, there is a kind of a partial solution, but we're gonna be working on V2 of fee grant to expand this out where I think we can try to encaps encapsulate what you're doing. Um, but the better route is to have the blockchain itself be willing to accept um, alternative gases. Um, I I can't speak to that one. I'll, I'll allow that to I'll allow I'll, I'll allow myself to say me merely bringing that up is is uh, potentially trends towards something. But for now, Fee Grant will be 
uh, our solution for for that. Cool. You know, any 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 solution at this point is is better than than nothing because you know, especially like when we're talking about a privacy chain and having to go and ask for for tokens and then transferring tokens between all your wallets and you're just burning your your privacy, right? If you have to stand secret. Yep. So yeah, and, and ideally, we make the fee grant more accessible so anyone can use it anytime. The hardest part about fee grant is making sure it's not programmatically gameable. Um, yeah, but that's that's something that can be solved for. There's there there are ways ways around that. Great, looking forward to that, guys. Thanks. Yeah, for anyone who is interested, uh, including yourself, S and fifty, anyone who's interested in seeing what this fee grant looks like in action, I uh, highly suggest you uh, check out Shade Protocols YouTube. We've got a tutorial up called "How to Onboard into Private DeFi Without Gas" via Shade's fee grant. Um, really, really cool feature. It's super slick. You know, as a native secret network user, I've, I'm always topped up on gas, so I <laughs> haven't gotten to use this um, other than whenever I'm creating new wallets uh, to do whatever it is I'm trying to do. Um, I've gotten to use it, but if you want to see what this looks like uh, in action, highly suggest you go check out this tutorial. Um, Jack, Jack Sisson uh the developer who um focused on building this did such a phenomenal job with it and yeah v2 will it will improve it in, in a variety of ways but it is technically a wallet seeding mechanism too because you can <laughs> it's uh that's that's it's precisely what it's capable of of getting a user without secret it gets them secret right from scratch without having to go to you know a chat and say, here's my address, please send me some gas, right? We're, we're solving for that. And it uses ShadeSwap too. It's pretty sustainable in that sense uh, because the user trades like a little bit of their Osmo for secret secret, and then it gets unwrapped back to regular secret and given to the user. So with that, I think we can officially wrap it up. Thank you both H3 and SN50 for coming up here and asking your questions, both great questions. And I want to thank everyone that's been listening in this whole time. Thank you all for taking time this afternoon uh, to listen to this discussion about the meta engine, about the launch of shade staking and airdrop, um, expansion of collateral vaults, expansion of pools supported on shade swap. These next two weeks, I know we say we've said this a, you know multiple times, but the activity is not going to be stopping. So you're going to get you might as well get used to Carter and I saying that um, these next few weeks are going to be incredibly busy and important. Um, look for, uh, for anyone looking to keep up with uh, Shade Protocol development, announcements, everyone make sure to follow the Shade Protocol account on Twitter. That's where most of our major announcements are going out. And then also heavily suggest you guys join our Discord and Telegram communities. That's where most of the community is actually interacting, discussing some of these more um, in-depth topics like the meta engine, like some, you know, like fee allocations. Um, a lot of that discussion is happening in our Discord. So if you want to be active and participate in that discussion, highly suggest you join our Discord and Telegram communities. Um, and with that, I think we can wrap it up. Carter, do you have anything else uh, you'd like to say before we wrap this up? Ooh, I think I think it's important to know that when things are really quiet that um, people know about the conviction of the team and like where the headspace is. And I can just say that everyone is heads down, um, very focused on building, very focused on shipping. The next four months have a very clear path and trajectory. 
and um, we just we appreciate we appreciate the support. We also appreciate the concerns. We're we're, we're with you guys, um, but I'm I'm incredibly optimistic because every day the user experience gets a little better. Every day the infrastructure backing these things get a little bit better. Um, the people and the community behind this project care about excellence, and we haven't achieved excellence yet. We we have components of this protocol that are excellent, um, but ultimately it's going to be the community and all of us collectively that help, you know, turn this into something truly historic and something that stands the test of time. And so I just invite you to join the community. Um, your criticisms are excellent. Uh, keep keep that coming. Also, positivity is deeply appreciated too. And I'm excited for governance. That's that's what I'll close with. We, we need rough consensus. We need to be able to tap into uh, all of the talented community members and folks behind the protocol. Um, and yeah, onwards and upwards. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Shade Staking, coming to Mainnet June 27th. Recorded on Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth. Sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days got them acting all faithless Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics They probing this bear, flexing broken Honest, I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting honest And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic, I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom over impossible loss It's all moss and I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning forming mycological bonds Click the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked in non-toxic just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage like the shit is played for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines They call it implausible when model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt we rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served
Spaces. <laughs>